I bring you greetings this evening in the precious name of Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And that is a promise that we have, is that we will be filled. And tonight, my heart is, is full of seeing you sitting here on a Tuesday evening when it's cloudy after a busy weekend, and being here shows that you have a desire for the things of God. And we have come together for this occasion. It is something that we cherish highly, and it's not something we take lightly. This is the Lord's work. Revival is the Lord's work. It's not man's work. Man cannot bring revival. And if there's anything that is of a success spiritually here, God desires the glory. He's a jealous God, and His glory will He not give to another. He is here, and I believe when we understand and recognize the very delicate operation that we're involved in here under the canopy of the heavens where He's dwelling above, my friends, it makes us and behooves us to understand a bit of the holiness of God and His omnipotence, His sovereignty, and who He is. And we're going to want to exalt Him. We're going to want to, we're going to want to exalt His majesty. You know, tonight we were singing here, sitting here singing. I don't want the best seat in the church house, but I wanted to see their faces. There's something about when you see the countenance of a person. You see a bit of their soul. And you know, we don't look at people as subjects. We look at them as people that God has created. We look into their eyes there's a window to their soul oft times, and there is a soul there that has a never-ending destiny before them. And that is why it's such a delicate thing that we come before God this evening, that we are dealing with souls, and it's very precious, and it's something that we hallow. It's sacred. And God, I believe, has given us something that is the world knows nothing about, and we beg and plead with them that they would know what it means to have the peace of God. God has sent, he has made us a little lower than the angels, and he has authorized angelical activity. He's given us AAA. I shared that a little bit the other Sunday, just a little bit about that. He's given us, we have these AAA cards in our pockets. I have one, and it didn't really help me too much because I didn't have the right plan when we came out here. We had some trouble with our tire on our vehicle, well, actually our trailer, and we found out we didn't have the right card. But there is... Another thing that happened, Brother Eugene, he shared Sunday about the fact that they were just a hairbreadth away from an accident. You know how many times if we could see and look into the celestial world, what God has around us and protecting us. And that is one thing, my friends, when we become born-again believers, we need not to be afraid of, but we welcome the presence of the angels. And may his angels camp around about you that fear Him and love Him. The Bible talks about fear Him. You know, I think about Psalm 85. There in verse 6, it says, Wilt thou not revive us again, O Lord? Wilt thou not revive us again, O Lord? And that is such a beautiful verse, that thy people may rejoice in thee. A revival meeting is not a scary thing, my friends, I don't believe. If we have come with a heart that is hungering and thirsting after the things of God, if we have come here tonight, 
even though that maybe there's something in your life that isn't correct, my friends, I believe that God understands that, and He's glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Tonight, we don't want to pat everybody on the back and say how nice it is to be a Christian. Yes, it is the best life there is, I believe, but we want people to feel comfortable to come and to bring their needs. That's what this is all about, bringing our needs. We humble ourselves. We have needs. I have needs, and I trust we all recognize we do. There's not a one of us perfect, and that's why Jesus Christ came. He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, my friends. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, it says, and grant unto us thy salvation. I will hear what the Lord God will speak unto us, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. And let us not turn again into folly. Surely his salvation is nigh to them that fear him. Surely his salvation is nigh tonight. You know, you may not be exactly what God wants you to be. And maybe you're not even what you want to be, my friends. But it is at your fingertips. The Bible does say that he has given us all things. It says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, I believe it says that he is the head of the body, even the church, my friends. And he has given, he has preeminence over the body. And if he has preeminence over the body, my friend, that he's also supplied us, as the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, about the divine nature he gives us, my friends. And there are multiple promises and unlimited resources. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, he says there that he will bless us abundantly above all that we can even comprehend. And so we serve a God that the possibilities, it's endless. We can never become God. But, you know, I, I love the sayings of God. I love the sayings of the word that it says that he will multiply and he will add to and so forth. God is not one to divide and subtract, but to add to. And that's why we are here tonight. We want the church to grow, that the stakes of this tent, as it says in Isaiah, could be broadened, my friends. Tonight, I trust that as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, that you will have a heart that would desire to go out as an extension from the body of Christ and that the borders of the tent could be enlarged, my friends. There's many in this world, we think they've heard, everybody has heard the gospel, but they have not all heard the gospel. For every generation, there's another generation that we have to be faithful. We have to be faithful. Tonight, Brother Ellis was standing up here, and I was almost envious of him. I don't want to say envy. I preached against jealousy, didn't I, the other night? But, you know, he was holding one of his grandbabies. And I, we have four at home. And my heart was touched because the thing of it is, train up a child in the way it should go when they get older. When they grow older, they will not return. They, they will not forsake that. Yes, they might leave it, but it's going to be there. And this little boy here that he was holding, they didn't have him somewhere in a nursery out back in the schoolroom or somewhere. But the little children are right here with us. It is a, it is a propagation of the faith. It is a faith that we hand down. No, we can't mechanically give it to them. But we are, as parents, my friends, I believe, the John the Baptist to our children's faith, if I can say that. We are the forerunners to their faith. By us, what they see is what they see and think of God so many times they think of. So I'm grateful this evening that we have a God that loves us and cares about us. You know, a time like this, revival, it is tonight you may be as a, a smoking flax, one that the faith is almost just down to embers, 
And, you know, I see a sister there with a fan going like this. And that's exactly what the Holy Ghost wants to do tonight. He wants, if you have a spark of faith, he wants to enlarge that. He wants to blow over your life and the crowd by with the word of God and with his loving mercy, everlasting mercy, my friends. Tonight we yet have mercy to come before him. And that that fire, that, that those coals, my friends, would start to flame and would start to grow. And that's exactly what he wants us to do. That's what revival is. Revival is an invasion, my friends, from heaven that brings a consciousness of God and that we will not want to forget. You know, people say, why do we want and need revival meetings? My friends, why do we sleep? Why do we take a bath? Why do we eat? And so forth. Because we need nourishment. We need to keep on. We need to keep on. Revival is God's people. God's people, those who are called by my name, my friends, is falling in love with Jesus again. Falling in love with God. And I trust that's what we're doing. It is a time of repentance, a time of revival, a time of resuscitation. When you feel yourself, the pressures of life have almost snuffed you out. And you are trying to cope with the stress you know, tonight you might be a father with one child. You might be a father with a, um, a very unique child. You may be a mother here tonight with three little ones below school age. And I don't know what your situation is. But you know what? We live in a time when our stress level is very, very high. And by the way, I'd like to ask the question tonight. What is the greatest, what is the greatest cause of death in America today? There's been studies done. It's not cancer. It's not cardiac arrest. It's not diabetes. It's stress. It's stress. And I'd like to speak a bit about that this evening. It's a thing of stress. How that sometimes is brought upon us. How sometimes we cause it on ourselves. And sometimes it's afflicted by God in a way. And I, I've often said this way. That, you know, I've heard the saying that we operate better under stress. I've heard that. How many of you believe you don't want, to, you don't want a, an abundance of stress so you can operate better? I trust you don't. But stress is something when we take steel and we stress. There's things that are stressed to make it stronger and so forth. Tempered. We are not tempered unless we know that we have had the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. And to make us free is the only time we become tempered. And then we also recognize that we are only human. You know, if we were some kind of a divine angelic being, we wouldn't need salvation. But we're created lower than the angels, the Bible said in Hebrew. We are a little lower than the angels. And so we are created in the image of God. But there's one thing, my friends, tonight I'd like to share with you that will bring you up out of your chair. The excitement of the fact that there is nothing in the angelic world that they know anything about redemption and the blood of Jesus Christ. We sang two songs tonight about the blood of Jesus Christ. And why is it so powerful? And why is it so needful? It is our only source, my friends, of victory in the warfare that's raging, my friends, is the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ, my friends, the angels, they don't know anything. And the Bible says that they desire to look into that thing of redemption because it's such a beautiful thing, I believe. I believe that they know and they see when there is a person on earth, where is a person in need, 
has been struggling. Sin has had him in bonds. And the gates of brass have been broken. And the bars of steel have been bent over. And he got through. Why? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. They do not experience that. They have never experienced it. Neither will they, my friends. But I believe they see that. And I believe, my friends, Jesus Christ tonight on the right hand of God. He has ascended there to make intercession. And that's where he is tonight. And my friend, I believe there's times when there's a person struggling. He's trying to cope with the pressures of life, the things that have been put on him. Maybe he's got himself in trouble or whatever. That Jesus Christ, in his infinite mercy, he's looking down upon. And maybe sometimes he'll get up out of his chair, uh, out of the seat, the right hand of God, and with interest be looking down there. And he's saying to the Father, oh, Father, have mercy upon him. I believe that's what he's done to me. It's the mercy of God. The mercy of God. Tonight, I would like to just invite you that if you have, if you have struggles in your life, it's nothing new to me. It's nothing new to God. Struggles are things that we're going to face. Why? Because of the sin in the garden and our Adamic nature. The nature that we've inherited. But we can have paradise restored in a sense because of the relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I know there's many people, we live in a time when everything looks good. Everything looks so good. And we want to put our face forward, our best face forward. We like to do that for one another because we respect one another and their dignity and their person. We want to do that. But behind everything, these nice shirts and dresses and clothes and so forth, sometimes there's things in here that we are trying to cope with. There's stresses and things in our life and we don't. We don't have the grace sometimes, perhaps, to share because we don't know where to go to with it. My friends, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, it says in verse 28 and 20 to 30, it says there, that come unto me. And when I think about Jesus standing there with his arms held out, his hands, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I believe that he said that, if I could picture it in my mind's eye through faith, is that he would have perhaps said that with tears in his eyes. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. We shall find rest. Sometimes it's not so easy. We carry baggage around. And you know, the thing of it is, it gets loaded down. And we go down the pathway of pilgrimage, and there's somebody else that throws something on you. And we go through life, and we try to struggle on, and so forth. And finally, we hear this voice of God saying, just bring it to me. Just bring it to me. And I will give you rest. I will give you rest. There's something like metal fatigue, and I'm sure you've all heard it. Tonight, when this, they were up here singing, the Ellis Beery family, his wife, we know, is a sister, twin sister to Dale Ropp. In the north, we flew with him many times. And back in the bush, we had the old 206 Cessna, and that plane was old when we were there back in the 80s. And I assume that they're still using it. And that 206 Cessna is probably close to 50, 60 years. I don't know how old. But there was one thing when I thought about her standing up here, Donna. I had to think of Dale. You know, he'd walk out there. Every time we'd load and get ready to fly in the bush, he would go out and walk around the plane. 
And I found that amusing. I said, Dale, I said, you just dro- we just dropped down at Sterling Lake or somewhere for fuel or whatever, and you, you're checking the plane. I said, he said, I said, what are you checking? He said, I'm checking for metal fatigue, metal fatigue. And I said, what's that? And he says, it comes from overuse. It comes from longevity of flight. And sometimes that's the way we are. As it is not so much the mental fatigue as the mental fatigue sometimes. And I'd like to share just briefly to the ordained brethren tonight. I don't know where you are. If you're taking care of one church, two or three, I don't know where you are tonight. But I know the fact that you are going to have stresses and how are you going to cope? I know we have a lot of medical things out there to try to help us people cope. And we we know that sometimes there are chemical imbalances that we do need help. And I'm not underscoring that one bit. I know all about that. But my friends, there is something I believe that God has given us through Jesus Christ that we can have a victory. And that is the first place to start. Blessed be God, it says, even the Father. It says of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us, it says, in all our tribulations, all the things that we go through, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort whereby we ourselves are comforted of God. And I trust that we understand and know where to go when we have troubles. We have stresses. And, you know, we become stressed out at times. There's, there's, there's no way out. If we're in life, there are things that will happen that will stress us out. And some people are stressed out easier than other people are. But we all need to understand somewhat our limitations. You know, the thing of it is, we, I believe, want to live in a way that we don't enhance stress and complications upon anyone in our congregations, in our community, wherever we live, our neighbors, our wives, our husbands, our ministry. I remember a young boy I was working with in service one time, and he told me, he said he likes to give his deacon a hard time. And I, uh, I uh, spent some time with that boy, and I said, don't do that. And I talked real plain to him. I loved him. He was a good worker. And uh, I talked real plain to him. And maybe some of the crowd know who I'm talking about because we were in the south in, in the spring. And they would probably know who I was talking about. But I said, don't do that. Don't give your deacon a hard time because sometime, I said, if you repent and you become a husband, a, a father, you become a man of the cloth sometime, maybe sometime you're going to be ordained. I said, then what? I said, think on these things now because it could happen. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he gave it a lot of thought. And we continued to talk throughout the next week and so forth. And by the time we were done there, he said that, Truman, would you come and preach my wedding sermon? And I was surprised because I talked to him very plain. That's the only way I can talk. I'm not highly educated. I'm not a diplomat. But I do love the Lord and I love people. But the thing of it is, we sometimes bring stress. And I'm begging you as congregations, it's not a message of the church tonight. It's the message of coping with stress. I am here to ask you that you would especially pray for your ministry, your ministering body, because the thing of it is, you know, I haven't always been faithful praying for my ministering brethren. But when you're in that position and there are responsibilities that you have, my friends, you covet and desire those prayers, those prayers. There's times we're stretched in our families, in our finances, Maybe it's our own undoing. Maybe we've overextended ourselves. 
Maybe we're physically and emotionally shot. Would we dare say it? Would we dare say it? Do we live in a culture that we feel free to share it? We don't want to be those that are slackers because we're industrious people. We put our shoulder to the plow. But there are times, my friends, when we need to recognize as women, as fathers, as preachers, or whoever, that we have limitations. And where are we going to go with them? I think sometimes that we think that everybody else has life so good, and, you know, it's, we're just the ones that are trying to struggle to get through life. Have you ever felt like that? I believe everybody has sometime in their life felt like that. I believe that we need to be honest with each other and just simply share when we have needs. Share when we have needs. Because we don't have mental fatigue, we have mental fatigue sometimes. When our body and our emotions have reached their limits, it's called burnout. And I have heard so much of burnout in the last 20 years. I don't know if I ever heard of it before. But we have faster cars. We can make our meals quicker. We can do everything quicker. And yet life is stressing us worse. Why? Because I think we spend so much time trying to facilitate and to finance our affluence. And like I said the other night, I said, you know, you want to try to keep up with the Joneses. And if that's your mindset tonight, my friends, you'll never keep up. Why? Because they always refinance. They're always a step ahead. So we've got to get off the train. What are we going to do to minimize stress and pressures? Some of the pressures we create for ourselves. We think we have to keep up with the latest things on Facebook. I tell you, my friends, if you don't need Facebook, get rid of it. Get rid of Facebook. Women on there, spreading out, if I may say, the casualty of what the latest Mennonite fads are. You've got to do this or buy this garment or this type of material or sew it this way with the right kind of roses and buttons or you're not in style. Get rid of it. Why? Because it causes stress. Amen? Amen. And that's just one thing, my friend. We bring those things so much on ourselves. You know, there's a lot of times when we think about the natural catastrophes and the physical afflictions and so forth that God allows to come to us. But God says in Corinthians, His grace is sufficient. For when you are made weak, then I am strong. You can feel my strength when you're weak. You know, he, there is, I believe, a grace for us. There is a grace for us. When we experience God's afflictions and crisis, but when we create that on our own undoing and upon one another, my friend, I'm not saying God's grace isn't available, but I believe we stretch it awful hard. We don't have Facebook, but I do get advertisements sometimes on Facebook, of Facebook, and I go through there and I look at some of those pictures and so forth. I say, wow. Hard to believe. Where it's come to. Where has it come to? Virtual 
friends, people that you really don't even know, are casting a spell upon you and controlling you. You don't even know them. And that's just one thing. You can use the principle on other things. People are watching us as God's people. One person in the world may read their Bible out of a hundred, but the 99 are going to be looking at you as a believer for their Bible. And what is your word saying? Do we just have a tradition? Or is it a part of us? A part of us. It is our life. It's what we breathe. It's who we are because of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Are your prayers being heard tonight? Do you understand what it means to know Jesus Christ? You know, I've often heard people pray, and I've wondered if they really know what they're praying. You know, when we pray, who do we pray to? Somebody tell me. To a three-letter word. We pray to God. We pray to God. And I hear people praying to God. And you know, that's so important. We need to pray to God. How do we come to God? Do they even recognize? Do they even realize we can't come to God without an advocate? And we close the prayer down and we say, in your name we pray. Pray in the name of God forbid. I believe we need to understand. Now you say, brother, you're technical. No, I'm not. It's intentional. I believe we need to understand the theology enough that we can intelligently pray. Pray to God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Does God hear our prayers when we come to him without mentioning the name of Jesus? He is our propitiation. He's the perfect sacrifice. It's the only begotten son. It's the only way we can come to God. I think sometimes our Christian life has become so diluted. The salt, as Brother shared Sunday, Brother Nelson shared Sunday, the fact that salt loses its savor when it becomes diluted. Have we lost our saltiness? Do we know in whom we believe? And how we come to the Father, God? And I've heard people say, I pray, I'm praying to Jesus, I pray to Jesus now, and this and that. No. <laughs> we don't pray to Jesus. You say, well, brother, you just preached in the Trinity last evening. I did. But my wife and I are two in one. I'm the leader. She's not. She's the follower. Is she less than the eyes of God? No. She's equal, according to 1 Peter chapter 3. She's equal in the grace of God than I am. But there are different roles in the Trinity. And we must understand that if we're going to be intentional about serving God. I believe in service to God. There's one thing that I have seen and experienced and heard of is the thing that in service sometimes we are so much devoted on our ministry that we lose sight of who God is. 
we fail to spend time with him. As ministers here tonight, I believe you can identify what I'm saying. There's times we find ourselves so busy in the work of the Lord that we find that we have lost time with God. And I don't know if you've experienced that, but there are times when I get to the point where, you know what, I'm just beginning to feel empty. I'm just beginning to feel empty. I need time with God. If I want to be nourished, if I want to be fed, I go to the table and eat because I'm hungry. And that's the way God wants us to do with his word. And to come into his presence with awe. And I don't even like to read the word of God in my pajamas. I will. But I like to get up and get myself dressed and let God know I mean business. And God's going to meet us there. When we think about the Galatians, I'd like to talk just a little bit before closing here on the Galatians. You've done so well coming out to listen to this old Amish boy preach or try to preach. You know, every night you've come out here. to, And, and I'm just blessed by that. May God receive all the honor and the glory and bless you for coming. I don't want to tarry long, keep you up longer than we need to here. But the fact of it is the Galatian church was one that the Apostle Paul had come and he had preached to them about the circumcision, and the, the, not the need for it. The law has been abolished. But there were certain of the Judah, Judaizers that were just continually critical. Either they couldn't understand the way of Jesus Christ when he came and the teaching of Paul, or they were, just didn't want to understand. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 9, uh, 15, he says that where is the blessedness when he came to them, that ye spake of. For, you know, he said that there was a time I have on record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes for me. You would have given them to me. Who has bewitched you? Who has come in and shown to you or spoken to you some other gospel? Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? There was a stress here that was coming to the church of Galatia. There was a stress there. The Apostle Paul says, why hast thou fallen away from the faith so quick? What has happened? We live in a time where there is heresies. We live in a time where there are those that are wanting to come in and wreak havoc, destroy the sheep, and so forth. In any way that they can. Any way. He says in, in chapter 5 and verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty in Christ. Stand fast. Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything. He was trying to set the record straight again to them, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh love. There are times when church members, when our members may mean it well, but they bring, they bring a stress to the ministry that may be not needed, could be unfounded, it's not founded, and you know the thing of it is, uh, the ministry has to deal with that. There are times, and we appreciate when someone has a sincere question and is inquisitive to the fact of spiritual growth. Uh, but to debate and so forth is something that will bring stress to your ministry. Let me tell you that, my friend. They have enough on their plate besides bringing things that are not necessary. 
And the message of Matthew chapter 18, dealing with the things between you and your brother first and not even taking it to the ministry if it can be taken care of outside of that. So many times we run right to the ministry with everything, everything. I'm not preaching about that tonight, but my friends, we are to bear up one another's burdens. There are times where we do need to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ in in, uh, Galatians chapter 6, it does speak about that. There are times when there's burdens that are sincerely burdens. We lift them up. We, we try to minister to them <clears throat> and so forth. But let every man prove his own work. And, uh, you know, I believe that there, that is a thing that we need to look at. Every man needs to prove his own work in light of the scripture. Uh, it's not that our ministry doesn't want to help. They don't want to wash their hands. But there are a lot of things that we could do. We don't want to just walk around being spoon-fed. And the thing of it is, the thing with this circumcision, I don't know if they were just, if they were just trying to be critical, if they just felt like the Judaizers were those that felt like you still had to do that. A part of the law, yes, they could mix it. And the Apostle Paul says it only causes confusion. And you cannot mix it. Faith and works do not work together. We, are, we live by faith and we are going to be judged by our works. So when we have faith, the works are going to be evident. But works will never produce faith. Is that right? Amen. Verse 9 in chapter 5, it says, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. So if we are devoted to the cause of humanity, and we're going to try to appease everything in humanity, we will soon be crushed, destroyed, and burned out. And brokenhearted. Then, for what value are we to anyone? Of what value? But if our motive is out of the love of God, and then no ingratitude, not even being taken for granted for, can hinder us from serving our fellow man. That is the difference. I do believe we could take a lot more if we understand that we are serving God and not trying to appease men. We're serving God, and that will help us cope, I do believe. And I'm not saying that in the ministry we can just barely get by, we're just coping. No, I'm not saying that. It's a blessed position. It's something that's honorable, but we have a lot of responsibility and a lot of accountability. When we think of Noah, the poor man was burned out. What happened after the ark? I won't turn to it. I think you could find that if you would go to Genesis chapter 9, oh, maybe in around verse 20, 21. You know, the ark was landed, they were out of the ark and so forth. And what happened, it says he became a husbandman. And he went out and planted a vineyard. And I don't know, I just had to think already and looking at Noah and everything that he had to do the 120 years before the, for the 40-day rain and so forth. And then the water go down, the man was probably pretty much stressed out. But God had given him an assignment. And God was with him. The Bible says in chapter 8 that Noah had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But what did he do? He went out there and he planted that vineyard and it produced grapes. And you know what he did? He's crushed them and he, he made wine. And he got drunk. How do we deal with coping with stress and pressures? Do we throw our hands up and we just finally walk away from it? No. We don't want to. There are times of boundaries. We need to set boundaries. I know that I have had to set boundaries due to my loving wife helping me see it. I trust I could use her name in that. 
Our wives are our helpmates. They are those that are made suitable for us. And times that I think that I can just do it, if I'm asked, it's not that I'm looking for it, but if I just do it, somebody needs to do it. But you know what? We have limitations. We're human. And when I was a younger man, I did that more. But as I get older, I don't do it as much. I turn a lot of meetings down. People say, well, why do you do that? Well, my first responsibility is with my family and my congregation at home. And, and I trust people understand that because I love people. I would like to come and share with them. But my first responsibility is our own. Moses was a man that was burned out. He was burned out. The children of Israel were on him. They were on his back for water. God told him to speak to the rock. And you know what happened? He went out there and smote the rock. He smote the rock. He said, must I fetch water for these people? These rebels, I think he said. These rebels. Must I fetch water for them? Uh, that was bad. That was bad. He shouldn't have done that. Why? Kept him out from promised land, didn't it? Is that what kept him out of promised land? Turn to Numbers chapter 20 just briefly. And if you have a paper and pencil, write down those verses that I will give you tonight. And I will want to show you that it is not because he struck the rock the way I understand Scripture that kept him out of Canaan. In Numbers chapter 20, I'd just like to set doctrine straight here, if I can, uh, while we're at it here. There's other things I should have continued to preach. But here in Numbers chapter 20, verses 10 through 12. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, Hear ye now, ye rebels, must I fetch water out of this rock? Oh, wasn't that an expression of burnout? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Now, in verse 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. This is, why, this is the catch right here, my friends. This is why they could not enter in. Moses and Aaron. Here it says, you did not sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. What kept him out of Canaan? He struck the rock. He did. But what really kept him out? He failed to sanctify the Lord God before the children of Israel and honor God. What does it say in Psalm 106? Psalms 106. Here it says in verse 32, They angered him also at the water of strife, so that he went ill, that it went ill with Moses for their sakes, because it provoked his spirit, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. And that's Psalms 106, verses 32 and 33. Just wanted to set that. We often have this thing of, you know, he struck the rock. Well, that's what I thought until I was studying and reading and did a little bit of a study on that. And, and I'm not saying that, okay, if that's the way you believe, that's fine. But I do believe there was something deeper than that. Uh, he had failed to sanctify the Lord God before God's people, before the Israelites. What about Elijah? After that experience on Mount Carmel, where there was such a wonderful experience, 
slayed the prophets of Baal, what, 450 of them. I think you'll find that in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and 19. But there it talks about how that Elijah, he had a, that closeness with God. Guy was right there and ministered. Why did God manifest himself so strong against the prophets of Baal? It was something because he was, Elijah was obedient to him. Elijah was obedient. You know, God told him to pour water in the trench, pour water over the top of the altar. The sacrifice, he did it once, he did it twice, and he did it three times. Now, if he just said, God, this thing is soaked the second time, I don't think God would have been faithful. But Elijah was faithful, and God visited right there, and he showed who the living God was, and he slew the prophets of Baal. And then we see how that the rain was coming up. We know that Ahab wanted to go back to Zezreel. And, A, you know, Elijah, he was exuberant. He was pumped up. There was about 28, 30 miles back to Jezreel. And he ran in front of Ahab. He ran back there. And when Ahab got back to Jezreel, he went in there and told Jezebel, his wife, it was a wicked woman. She had her toenails all painted up. I'll bet. I don't know how she looked. But let me tell you, I imagine she looked terrible. She looked like, well, I won't go on. But, my friends, she was an evil woman, and he spake to her, and she wanted to kill him. She sent a messenger out to Elijah and said, As the prophets of Baal, so shalt thou be tomorrow. And Elijah ran for his life. Why? He went, and he sat under a juniper tree, burnt out. After a mountaintop experience, have any of you ministers ever felt coming home from a week of meetings, two weeks of meetings, you come home and you collapse? You're burned out. Have you ever felt like that, Nelson? Barry? Yes, I believe that can happen. It is, it is I believe, the wedges that the devil will desire to put in our life to distract us. And I realize it is taxing. But God has been good. He has given strength and he will continue to do so. We do have limitations. But my friends, I believe that when your pastor is gone for meetings or if he's getting ready to preach, call him and tell him you're praying for him. That will mean so much. It will empower him. And let's not be as Jezebel is to be after him. Here this man had a mountaintop experience. And here we find later, just right after, he ran for his life. Why was he so fearful of Jezebel and yet just slew 450 prophets of Baal? Well, we become burned out, my friends, and we have not learned how to cope with stresses. We will become agitated, frustrated. I believe Moses was frustrated. Moses was very frustrated. And if you're ministering, brethren, sometimes don't make the right call. Don't be too hard on them. There may be things that they... They are stressed with, perhaps, don't know exactly how to handle it, and so forth. And so let's be easy on them. It will cause us to have a lack of enthusiasm. It will cause us to become stagnant or dysfunctional, despondent, and so forth. Tonight, I would like to close just simply saying that if you are here tonight and you have experienced stresses, it's hard for you to cope with the pressures and stresses of life. What about the mother with little children 
that feels so overwhelmed. And she almost feels she can't even go to this sister over here that seems she has everything together. And the sister that is overwhelmed is not jealous of the sister that's getting along well. It's just that she wonders how can she do it. And you know what? We need to be open to one another. And we need to be able to hear. We need to be able to listen. And I'll tell you, my friends, tonight, that if we cannot disclose those things with our brothers and sisters of like precious faith, especially the household of faith, I need to go and read there, then there's something wrong. I have often heard that I, I cannot feel, I just don't feel free to share because I'm afraid everybody's going to find out. Well, really, do we care if anybody everybody finds out? But if you do tell somebody in confidentiality, we have a responsibility. And if you have the audacity to betray your brother or sister, there's blood on your hands. If it's sin that needs to be taken care of, and then we will have to tell the person when they're telling that it has to go further. But if it's something, maybe you just need someone to talk to. Preacher brother, maybe you just need somebody to talk to. Maybe as a, a lay person, maybe you could enter into the life of your pastor. And say, you know, brother, I'm going to pray for you. You don't know what it meant to me to hear a young man come to me. He's not that young. But he came to me the other evening, and he said, Truman, he said, after the tent was up the other day, he said, I came in here, there was no one here. And he said, I came in, and I kneeled down and prayed for these meetings. And I said, oh, praise the Lord. You know what that meant to me? That was so humbling. I was so grateful, and may God receive the glory. May we look to him for the times we become stressed. And we become frustrated. Let us not burn out. Let us not, let us not burn out and become worthless and despondent. But let's build each other up in the most holy faith. As we have time and grace, let us bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, tonight we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you again for your love and care to us. We thank you, Father, for ministering to us in a very special way. God, you've sent your son Jesus that we can see. He was here and walked the streets of Galilee, oh God, and showed us your heart. He showed us how to live and what it is to know God and to see God through Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you for him, that you, the Son of God came down from heaven, not minimizing his deity. Oh, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the atonement. We thank you that we have redemption, even in the times of stress, and that we would find ways of coping with what we're going through, Lord. May you minister to our needs. Father, thank you for your presence through the Holy Spirit you've left with us, that we are not as orphans without hope. You are with us and in us. You promised us that. Thank you for that. And we pray tonight for this assembly. Would you bless them? And we just ask you would further guide us. In the name of Jesus, we pray as we close at this time. And we're going to ask you to keep your heads bowed tonight. We're going to ask the brother for a song. And if there's anyone here this evening, we're going to want to cast the gospel net again tonight that as the Spirit goes up and down the rows of benches or chairs tonight, that you'd be faithful to just simply stand to your feet or come forward or ask a brother or sister to go pray with you. Let's go ahead and have a song tonight. Let's sing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Yes, Lord, have your own way.
He's powerful. He's faithful. He's here tonight. Tonight, if you feel overwhelmed, if there's something in your life that you don't know how to deal with, we may not have the answers, but we know Jesus does. In the Word, the Word of God, God loves us and cares for us. Is it well with your soul tonight? Is there anyone? If we have a brother in the back, God bless you. You don't have to be inhibited. You don't have to be ashamed. Tonight, be honest. Is your heart humbly bowing tonight? One more verse. Have thine own way, Lord. Are you yielded tonight? Have thine own way. Hold Don't let your pride being. keep you from releasing the baggage. Absolutely. Bring it to God. If we have Tell a sister coming forward, may someone come minister to her. Till all shall may God be near to you, sister. Christ Bless you as you continue. Is there anyone else tonight? Are you overwhelmed? We're going to close with that. We trust you've been faithful. Thank you, brother. May God be near you tonight. And if you came in with a heavy heart, sometimes just coming in and singing and hearing just a portion of the word of God can bring us to an uplift experience. That's what our meetings together are, is that of edification. You know... When I think of a message, I often think the sermon message may be completely different than what this or that person needs. And if God is in it, if he could feed the 5,000 with just some small fish and a little bread, then he can meet my need, no matter what's preached in the name of Jesus, I do believe. Let's stand for closing prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening. We pray that you have... Uh, we know that you have visited us. We pray that those that have responded could find that you are faithful and they could put their trust in you, O oh God, because we have an advocate, the Father. We, Father, we thank you for Jesus, the one that has come and is with the Father through the Holy Spirit. You have made possible that we can have presence with you. We're grateful for that this evening. And if there's anyone here that has come troubled, O oh Lord, that they might leave in peace. And may the peace of God, which patheth all understanding, guide you tonight and be with you as you leave this assembly and protect you in the precious name of Jesus, we pray for his care and keeping you in his hands, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.